This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. We're on the fifth week of Get Real, a series going through the book of James. James is a really practical book, and I'm looking forward to the message today because this is our fifth week, and we're talking about real temperance, real temperance. And I want to see if you can pick out the pattern in James chapter 1, where we're going today. James chapter 1 and verse number 8, it says, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. James 1.19 says, Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. James 1.26 says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, he deceiveth his own heart, and, his, and that man's uh, religion is in vain. So today we're going to be talking about bridling our tongue. We're going to be talking about the temperance. The reason why we use the word temperance is because the word uh, bridle is helinagimo, which means it's the Greek word for temperance. It's the Greek word for self-control, to exercise restraint. Now the word temperance is that's used uh, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 23 where it says the fruit of the Spirit is temperance. Uh, it's, it's a slightly different word. It, it doesn't mean, as we would use it in the English language, uh, abstinence or refraining from being uh, under the control of alcohol. Uh, but it is, it is slightly different than the word that we're uh, seeing in the book of James. And it's kataria. It means to, uh, to have self-control, so similar, but it means to have a mastery over our impulses. All of us have impulses. All of us have things that we want to say, want to do, uh, and feelings and passions, right? But that temperance is the Holy Spirit-guided mastery over those impulses. Now, here's a key thought. The clearest way to find out if you are truly being filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit, not your impulses, but by the Holy Spirit, is to step back And I want to do this collectively as a church today. I want to step back and take an inventory of our words. Let's take an inventory of our words. And I want want you to know that whenever the Bible talks about being controlled by the Spirit, uh, for instance, in Ephesians 5, 17, it says that we can not be unwise, but we can be wise and we can understand what the will of the Lord is, verse 17. Verse 18, of course, it says, Be not drunk with wine, we're in his excess. So it's using an illustration about being completely under the influence of, uh, of alcohol. And then it says, but be filled. And we've studied that before. It's the continual being filled of the Holy Spirit. So we, we need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. But I've never noticed the context here because the next verse is the verse, that, verse 19 that says speaking. So it's, we, we know the will of God. What is it? It's to be controlled by the Spirit. And if we are controlled by the Spirit, we will be speaking what the Holy Spirit wants us to say. And so that's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit because we need temperance. And we need temperance because without it, our impulses will be shown through our words. So there's three reasons that temperance is so needed in this hour. 
I want to show you, first of all, in verse number one, that the words we say, they stay with us. They stay with us. Temperance is needed because our words stay with us. Now, what does that mean? Well, in verse number one, it says, my brethren. So he's talking to believers and he says, be not many masters. Masters is didaskalos, one of the first Greek words that I was able to learn. It means teacher. I think my teacher taught me that word first because he, he wanted us to know there's a leader and there's a student, there's a teacher and an influencer and, and, and someone who is guiding and, and, and prodding, right? So be not many masters. Why? Does he say that he doesn't need very many leaders, not very many teachers. That's not the point. The point is, he's saying, be careful that you desire to be an influencer or a teacher, uh, someone who is guiding or a leader, because it says, knowing that we shall receive greater condemnation. Wow. What does that mean? Well, the word condemnation here is crimira. It means judgment, but it specifically means a greater degree of accountability. Make no mistake that preachers and teachers and leaders, uh, they will be held uh, at the judgment seat of Christ to a greater level of accountability for what has been said, what has been done. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 12. He said, uh, every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Wow, every idle word? I want you to say that with me, every idle word. Say it again, every idle word. I want you to remember the fact that Jesus said every idle word that we're going to give an account. So let's say it together. Every idle word, I will give an account. For every idle word. Man, that's, that's a convicting thought, but you know, many times we don't think about what we're saying. We don't think about the, the implications of what we're saying. I remember uh, I was counseling a young adult when I was a young adult pastor and young adult came in. I think I've told the story before. And he, he, he said, uh, he's like, I, you know, I had to break up with my girlfriend. And I said, man, she was so nice. What, what happened? And he said, well, I just told her I needed an upgrade. Those are idle words. Um, I was surprised he had all of his teeth, correct? But, but you know, I, I thought to myself, you know, I've said some idle words. I remember one of the most... Uh, embarrassing moments was I was with someone I look up to and and I was taking him to the airport and I didn't know what else to talk about and I started talking about preaching and I was talking about a preacher's preaching style and I started to be critical of that preacher only to find out after I was very critical with my words that that preacher I was speaking ill of was this person's best friend you know, our idle words, they cause embarrassment, they cause hurt, they, they often bring us to shame. That's why Proverbs 29, 20 says, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than him. You ever said something foolish? You ever said something you just really wish you could get back? Boy, I have many, many times, and there are many people in the Bible who have as well. And so we need to understand that we're going to give an account for our words. Our words are not just things that, that, that come and go, that, that leave our lips and have no consequences. Friend, they have great consequences. And so we will answer for every word. I want you to say that with me again. We will answer for every word. Every word. And so I want, want to give you an action item, and James is full of these action items, but I, I believe that in this passage, he's saying for us to stop, wait, 
and ask, why am I talking? You ever asked yourself that? Why am I talking? Well, did you know that that's an acrostic for weight? The W stands for Y, the A stands for M, I, talking. Why am I talking? Ask yourself, just pause and say, why am I saying this? What is the purpose? Is it helpful? Is it truthful? That's why I believe that James 1.19 is so powerful when it says, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We get so angry so fast. We get so irritated so fast. And the key thought is that our words matter. And they matter far more than we could ever think. And so that's why we need to pause and think and pray and listen before we speak. So our words stay with us, but temperance is not just needed. Self-control is not just needed uh, because our words stay with us. But number two, I want you to see in verse number two, that our words reveal who we really are. They reveal us. I want you to see this. It says, for in many things we offend all. I don't know about you, but I don't want to offend anyone, much less offend all. Uh, now, the word offend here is uh, pateo. It, it, it's the word for trip. It's the word to fall into someone. Have you ever come around the corner and you just kind of knock someone over or fell into someone? It means to injure, injure someone by striking them, but it also means to be so focused on one thing that you stumble into another. Now, I have a I have a bad problem, and confession is good for the soul, so I just want to tell you this, okay? I'll be at a restaurant, and I'll be telling a story, and I'll be so focused on the story, and I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I can't tell a story without using my hands. And There have been many times when I've been sitting there telling a story, and the waitress, unbeknownst to me, was wanting to put something on the table, and I've just knocked it right out of her hands and sprayed everyone around me. I had to order more food. I was so focused on what I was saying, I wasn't really aware of who was around me. And how many of you know that that's something that happens to all of us all the time? We're unaware of the needs of those around us. So he says, we offend all. We're, we're, we're constantly stumbling over the needs of people because we're so self-focused. And he says in verse 2, if any man offend not in word, wow, who's that? Like, I want to meet the person who's never offended all. And he says, if any have not offended in word, the same as a perfect man. Oh, there's only one perfect man. His name was Jesus, right? So we're going to meet him one day, but none of us have ever had a whole life where we didn't say one thing that we didn't regret. And if we say that, we're, we're not being truthful, but it says, and also able to bridle the whole body. So really being able to control or have temperance over the tongue is the key to having control or temperance over the whole body. Proverbs says this in, in verse eight, or chapter 18, verse 21. It says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Wow. So we really got to take bridling the tongue very seriously. Now the word bridle here is, is like I said, to exercise control. But it also means to control something of great power with something very small. The reason why the word bridle is the key to, uh, to James chapter 3 is because this word specifically talks about a small instrument that is put into the horse's mouth. In fact, he mentions it in verse 3. He says, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. 
So he's painting this picture of this incredibly powerful animal, this horse. If you've ever been around a horse or, or ridden a horse, I mean, they are incredibly powerful animals and they can be controlled by the turning of their heads. You see, our words turn our thoughts and our thoughts drive our actions. And so he uses this analogy that the direction of a horse's head determines the momentum of a horse's body, but he doesn't stop there. He uses another analogy. I love that he's giving us illustrations throughout the passage. See, in verse 4 he says, Also, the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. So a ship's direction is not necessarily uh, determined by the winds or the waves, but by the rudder. The rudder of the ship is what turns it. And so verse 5 kind of concludes these thoughts and says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things, how great a little matter, a little a, a matter, a little fire kindleth. He says, man, the tongue's so small, but it does such great things. The word tongue here is the word uh, glossa or glossa. It means language. It means uh, a, a projecting point. But I thought it was very interesting that this is the same word for a tiny gold nugget or a gold, small gold bar. So what James is saying is, is, is there's something that's very little, but it, it has great consequences. It has great value for good or for evil. You see, gold is very small, but it's very valuable. And the tongue is, is not seen. It's, it's, it's not a large member of the body, but it carries great weight and value. And just like in gold, uh, hundreds of people every year in companies like Stillwater Gold and, and uh, Sayimba are all uh, are always losing their lives to the pursuit of gold, South Africa and even here in the United States. But friends, far more people, millions of people lose their lives because of the tongue, because of something that someone said, because of something that someone did, because of something that they told themselves. And so the word boastest is this, is this really unique Greek word. It's this megalancho. Mega launch show. It's, it's, it's launching uh, either really good, magnificent things or it's launching really harmful things. So the key thought is that these words that we use from our tongue, they're sparks. And just like a spark will spark an engine and, and, and power great things and, and, and move much, also a spark can ignite a forest fire and engulf an entire forest into flames. And we've seen the result of these flames all over Southern California. Even a couple days ago, the, the fire off of Goatee Road. Man, it's incredible to see the fires, the lake fire, the fires burning uh, close to a million acres across California, 40-some different fires. And, and, and we, saw, we, we know that they're huge now, but they started with one little spark with one little flame that grew into a bigger one. And that's how words spread, and that's the damage words have. You see, words have power, and words, they don't just stay with us. But words also, uh, they, they lead to great, great harm. 
words will, will lead to, to things that uh, cause uh, great pain, both em- uh, emotionally and relationally. They reveal who we are. Words are the great revealer. So wildfire, it starts very small and it leads to an inferno. In verse 6, it says that that inferno is a picture of hell. Just as Jesus brought heaven down to earth, our words can really bring hell to earth as well. He says the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. It defileth the whole body. It setteth on fire the course of nature, which we've seen. He's talking about a wildfire. It is set on fire of hell. So the tongue, the tongue reveals what's going on. The tongue reveals the true status of our soul, the true status of our health. Now physically, we walk into a doctor's office and a nurse or a nurse practitioner or a doctor what do they do? They put on their gloves and they, they take out an, a ginormous popsicle stick and they shove it down your throat and they, they, they tell you to stick out your tongue and they, they, they look all over. And why in the world do doctors look at the tongue to assess our health? And the reality is they can learn a lot about what's in you by looking at your tongue. The tongue is that thing that we can use to uh, discover the level of health in the body. And that's how it is in our hearts as well. Our words are the, the, the barometer uh, of our soul. As one uh, preacher from the South said, uh, the tongue is the dipstick of the heart. I believe that our words really show us where we are, both our thoughts and our actions are seen through our words. And here's an action item. I would encourage you to watch the pattern of your words and correct them based on the patterns promoted in Scripture. You say, what are the patterns promoted in Scripture? I want to give them to you, and I want to give you, give you them in the acrostic of watch, okay? Of, of looking, of, 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 of being able to track something, taking an inventory of our words. And, and here it is. It's in your notes. And again, you can go to uh, our website, findnewlife.church slash messages, and you can download these notes because I believe this is uh, really important. And if you want to write this down or, 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 or print off the notes and make this as a, a little card to remember, I think it would be helpful. But these are all patterns in scriptures. The devil uh, in scripture, the W stands for worship. A pattern of worshiping God through our words. The A stands for accurate. Are our words a pattern of accurate or, or being honest and open and transparent? The T stands for thankful. Are our words being grateful for those that have helped and grateful for the things we do have, not just uh, craving and greedy uh, for the things we don't? Are our words caring? Are we thinking about the pain and, and, and the things that other people are going through? And then the H stands for humble. Are our, our, our words prideful and arrogant, angry, or are we humble? So David said, Psalm 19, 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Man, that's my prayer. That the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto the Lord. So words stay with us. Words reveal us. And finally today, 
Words define us. Words define us. I want you to look in verse number 9 and 10. We'll get to verse 7 and 8. We're going verse by verse through James 3. But verse 9 says, Wherewith bless we God, even the Father. So he's like, it's great to bless God the Father. Wherewith curse we men, which are made after the same similitude of God. He said, "You really, you're going to bless God and then curse men? Verse 10 says, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. Brethren, these things ought not to be. How clear can the Holy Spirit be that if God created your spouse in His image and you're willing to worship Him on Sunday and curse your spouse on Monday, you are living a devil life? That's why He says, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You see, only the one who has made me has the right to define me. And the word curse here is first found in the first few chapters of the book of Genesis. It's talking about the curse of sin. It's kataromai, oh my, and it means uh, to make light of. It means to belittle. It means to treat with disrespect and judge. It means to defund or to render powerless. It's it's such a broad word that basically says, man, are you really going to think those thoughts toward your fellow brother in Christ, sister in Christ? Are you really going to belittle them uh, behind their back? Are you really not going to have enough respect to come to them, to talk to them, to say, I was offended, I I need to work this out, friends. These things ought not to be. And man, how convicting it is to me. How many times have I said something or thought something negative about someone who's God's child, You need to understand that from the very beginning, from the garden, man lost dominion. Man was given dominion over every crawling thing. Man even had dominion over himself or herself, but they lost dominion at the fall. And we still have dominion over every creature, but not over our tongue. You see, any creature can be tamed, but God has removed dominion over the tongue. We no longer have control over our tongues. Sin has entered into the world and death by sin. We are now broken people. and That brokenness comes out in our words more than any other thing. So I want you to see verse 7. He gives an illustration about, about this dominion. Verse 7 says, For every kind of beast's, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. I love this quote by Alistair Begg. He says, It's incredible how one can tame a tiger, but can never tame the tongue. So how can we tame the tongue? 
You say, I mean, if we can't tame the tongue, are you saying that everything we're doing is pointless? No, I'm, I'm saying that, that, that because of sin, the, the tongue will never be completely tamed. But, but what we can do is we can look to the Holy Spirit for temperance, for self-control. And I want to give you a key thought this morning, and that is that the temperature of our hearts is based on the temperance of our soul. And I want to tell you that, that, that temperance is not just restraining our words. It is far more than that. It is retraining our thoughts. Now how? If we're going to look at the fact that words define us, how can we use God's definitions? How can we use God's thoughts? How can we retrain our thinking uh, to help uh, to, to, to speak the way that God wants us to? Come back to verse number nine. He says, bless both God and man. Verse 10, don't, don't curse man and bless God or curse God and bless man. Don't be double-minded uh, and, and, and unstable in all your ways, verse 8. It's kind of like the old uh, films that were uh, cowboy movies. They, they always had a, uh, you know, an Indian or, or, or some sort of Native American. And, and, and what did the Native Americans always say about the cowboys if they lied? Uh, they said... White man speak in forked tongue, right? I really wanted to illustrate this for you because I believe that this passage is where we get speaking out of both sides of your mouth, that phrase. I actually went down to Vierta and I actually tried to get a cow tongue and it was $57 and I decided not to do that. But I do have this little stub they gave me while I was waiting. It's kind of forked, okay? You can kind of see it. Uh, and I want you to notice that, that the, the, the further apart these go, the more divided it gets. The, the more that, 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 that we speak one way with this person and another way, the more we do that, the more divided things become. The more that things start to separate, the more that relationships start to break apart, the more your relationships have tension, the more that things start to become incredibly difficult to hold together. I believe our nation is splitting at the seams because we have cursed God and blessed man. I believe it's splitting at the seams uh, with our families because we have blessed God and cursed man. Friends, let me just, or, or, or cursed man and blessed God. Either way, uh, there's a division and we have to come back to, to, to what the Bible says. And the Bible says we can bless. The word bless is the word eulogy. It's where we get uh, a, a, a blessing at a funeral. I've given many eulogies. You always speak well of the person as well as you can. That's what the word means, to speak well of, to, to act kindly toward, but it means to sow or to plant a blessing. Is that interesting? To plant a blessing. I believe the best way not to grow the weeds of hurtful words is to sow the seeds of kind ones. Your thoughts are the seeds that grow the fruit of your words. Jesus even said this. He said, oh, generation of vipers, being evil... How can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and, and this is 
an illustration that's given in James chapter 3. And this is the final illustration and then we'll be finished. The illustration's in verse number 11. He says, whatever's under the surface of something, it'll always eventually come uh, to light. Uh, Whatever is planted, if watered, will eventually sprout. In verse 11, it says, Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? So he's saying, if a fountain is, is spewing out water, it's not spewing out good and bad water. It's all together. It's bad. And then he says in verse 12, can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either a vine, figs? So no, can a fountain yield both salt water and fresh? He's like, listen, you're either blessing God or you're cursing God, but don't act like you're good with God and wrong and mad and angry at everyone else. You see, friends, you can't be right with God and wrong with everyone else. You can't be at odds with your family and good with God. You just can't. So the Holy Spirit says, hey, let me help you. The key words here are to send forth, verse 10, verse 11, to to, to bear fruit, to yield a harvest. Uh, Jesus didn't just give us a pattern for temperance to follow. He paid the price to make temperance possible. He paid the price. And that's our takeaway today. The fact that Jesus, he left a pattern for us to follow. He is the great example of wise and kind and empathetic words. But he also paid the price for temperance. I want to read you a verse that I'd never really thought about in this way. I've read this verse many times to you before. It's Isaiah chapter 53 in verse number 6. It says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of uh, us to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Now, why was Jesus mostly silent? He, he gave seven statements we've studied before, but why was Jesus mostly silent on the cross? Was he listening to the Father? No, the Father had his back turned toward him. On the cross, I believe Jesus was hearing every idle word that I would ever say. He's hearing every unkind thing that I would ever think. He is taking on him my every hurtful word so that I can in turn give the kindness that he's given to me to others you see friend he was covered with my anger so I could cover others with my uh, with my kindness he was covered with my prideful words so that I could cover others with a blessing. He was covered uh, with uh, my uh, cursing and, and, and with my hatred so I could cover others with humility. So here's an action item and then we'll pray. And that is, wait before you speak. Watch the words that you are saying and be wise about how you're saying them. I want to encourage you to look at what you're saying and ask, is this the Holy Spirit 
or is this me talking out of both sides of my mouth? Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Five New Life. Have an amazing day.